Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. You're watching The Hash on a Monday. I'm Jensen Assey. I'm joined today by Zach Seward and Sandali Handagama. And Zach is going to kick us off today with some exciting news. Sure, you could call it that. Let's talk about Steppin, sort of the preeminent move to earn title in the crypto world these days. Kind of having a rough month. Tokens are down, and now we're seeing a denial of service attack on the platform itself, and that's not so good. So in the meantime, the company is asking users to, quote, get some rest, Rest those feet because you're jogging and you're walking is not going to be rewarded with tokens for the immediate future. So yeah, that's that. That's step in. Wanted to zoom out a little bit and talk about this move to earn phenomenon. These are some shoes. These are some digital shoes that you get and you know, you go around and you have the app and like it tracks your GPS and you get rewards depending on how far and how you move and all the speed and all the stuff. And it's sort of become the preeminent sort of move to earn poster child. And yet things aren't going so well here in the early innings of this bear market. So let's talk about the latest denial of service attack against Stepin. Sandali, curious for your thoughts. Thanks, Zach. So starting with the good, I think we're only at the beginning of these like do normal things to earn money type apps. So as the metaverse grows, I think I mentioned this earlier, like people will literally get paid to just populate it. And I'm very excited for that phase. And I personally love the idea that you can earn while doing anything, especially working out. I will break my steps records all the time. So I'm all for platforms like this coming up. But we are not yet there with these apps. And, and we can see that from what's happening. Aside from like security compromises like these, there's a lot of fixing to do. The closest thing I could think of was what happened with Axie Infinity. We saw how the token price went down. That's a play to earn platform where you can play a video game to earn money similar to this. So 
I've seen a few pieces analyzing what happened with Axie, and it looks like these types of platforms may be relying too much on new users kind of joining the ecosystem, and breaches like this are enough to convince some users to leave. So promising idea, but I think still needs to work out its economics. Um, Jen, what do you think? Firstly, I need to correct myself on the intro. I call this an exciting story, but there was like my own little DDoS attack in my brain happening. This is not exciting. It's a little sad for people who use the platform. I zeroed in on the same thing as you, Sundali. I mean, there are all of these do something to earn applications that are coming, that are popping up, and they're really exciting. You know, if I can earn money by doing everyday things, why wouldn't I? I'm just curious to see how the mainstream adopts this and what the economics look like. Like, is this sustainable in the long term? You know, none of these applications have been around long enough for us to know, like, can the economies support this? Can the economies support mass audiences flocking to these apps to earn by doing everyday things? The other thing I wanted to zero in on is that NFT sneaker that you need to buy to participate in Stepin is $350. And so if we look at what's happening now with these like play to earn, move to earn, eat to earn, like whatever to earn, there are a lot of people in developing nations who are doing these things to earn an income or earn an extra income. And that barrier to entry with those really expensive NFTs just feels counterintuitive to me at this time. But Zach, I saw your hand up. Yeah, I think Stepin has been a really interesting example. And I do look back to Axie as sort of the first play to earn thing. This is sort of an innovation on that model. And I think similarly, we're kind of seeing like the limits of some of these token rewards. For this to work sustainably, it has to be sort of a positive sum economy within this little ecosystem of walkers and joggers who have these digital shoes and use them religiously. I think we're seeing at this point in time, it's still really early in the trajectory of these projects. And until there can kind of be that value additive experience generated by this economy, that's going to be when these things really start to click. Until now, it's a bit propped up with incentives that may or may not really last entirely. There's a sort of interesting sort of tokenomics model here where there's an in-game asset, it's GST, and there's a governance asset, and there's GMT, and there's Solana to buy the shoes. So there's this whole elaborate dance. But as it stands right now, I think it does look a little bit unsustainable for this thing to have legs for the long term. But I think the move to earn, the engage to earn sector more broadly is really promising to look at. But you don't want to enter a situation where it's all fun and games until the music stops and then it craters, leaving people sort of holding the bag. But hey, we'll see if that ever shakes out. All right, let's change gears. Let's stay in NFTs into some other potentially dicey NFT news. Sandali, take it away. Yes, so the Board Ape Yacht Club Discord server was hacked on Saturday. The attacker managed to get away with $360,000 worth of NFTs, according to Yuga Labs, the company behind the Board Ape Yacht Club. So Yuga Labs confirmed the attack 11 hours after the news of the exploit surfaced on Twitter. That's point number one. And the attack happened after the project's community manager, Boris Wagner's Discord account was compromised which the hacker then used to post phishing links. So what happens in these attacks is a, a malicious link is posted typically alongside an announcement of an exclusive NFT giveaway for users in the community. And once you click the link, it takes you to a web page that looks very convincing from what I hear and prompts you to enter your private keys. And after you enter your keys, it's essentially game over. Your wallet is emptied of whatever you have and 
that's it. And Coindesk has reached out to Discord for comment, but it did not receive a response yet. So these Discord phishing attacks keep on happening repeatedly across crypto communities. And Eli's article here touches on two key points of view, I think. One is from a co-founder of Yuga Labs that says, Discord is simply not working for Web3 and the community needs a more secure platform. And the other point of view is that individual NFT owners are responsible in these types of attacks. And I think the second argument is completely unfair. Having spoken to folks who have been victims of this scam, these web pages look legit enough to fool even the most seasoned crypto users into entering their keys. And in this case, it was from a community official's account. So these company giveaways are still very much a part of NFT culture and, and community. So it's unfair to expect users to always be able to tell when a sophisticated attack is targeting them. They're only human. And just to put this into context, according to FTC in just the first quarter of 2022, reported losses from crypto fraud is at $329 million, already reaching the halfway mark of the total reported for all of last year. So something definitely needs to change. There needs to be some accountability here. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think of what happened and this kind of trend that doesn't seem to be changing. Jen, I think I'll start with you. I will. Zach had his hand up. So I'm curious to hear oh, what he has. And then right. I'll, so into I'll it. it <laughs> I mean, that's a bullish chart right there. Look at that chart. How can you not be bullish? That's mass <laughs> adoption right there. That is a fascinating little data. Stepping back, though, it is weird in crypto how like success often begets sort of these targeted attack incidents, right? We were talking about Steppen, which has become, you know, the move to earn poster child. Now they're facing a denial of service attack, right? We're talking about Bored Apes, which have emerged as a blue chip in the NFT space. And sure enough, every few weeks, you hear about these phishing attacks where people are having their sweet, sweet JPEGs stolen by whatever means necessary. So it is interesting to see that when value accrues to these things in these permissionless systems, often bad actors or at least those who see exploits that are able to be used hop in to try to profit. So that's sort of the big picture thing that I see here. And board apes, they keep falling victim to this. I think I am somewhat sympathetic to the personal responsibility mantra as evidence in the second sort of talking point there. But I think Sandali is right. The level of sophistication that some of these things are being stolen through, like they're, they're really tricky to identify. When someone's official sort of Discord communication channel is hacked, it's hard to know unless something is super fishy with the language or the phrasing or something is a, a, you know, a red flag in what would be a trusted sort of person within that community. It makes sense that this happens again and again where people fall victim to these attacks. But it's sort of like becoming a victim of one's own success as it relates to crypto projects in the space. Certainly board apes step in and other ones down the line, whether that's, you know, the, the Ronin hack or, or what have you. But I'll pass it to Jen for her thoughts. Yeah, I feel sorry for the bored apes. It feels like every month we have a new hack or a new attack for these poor bored ape holders. It feels like they just can't catch a break. And whether you're an anonymous bored ape holder or a super famous one like Seth Green, you are a target for these hackers and attackers. I do agree that these hacks are becoming so sophisticated that we can no longer say just like, don't click on those links, you know? It's your responsibility to keep your digital assets safe because these attacks are getting so much more sophisticated. It made me think of that MetaMask story where MetaMask is now putting in place something for people who have their digital assets stolen so that there is some kind of course of action 
to be taken. I know that they're still developing that product, so it's not fully fleshed out yet. But I wonder if the Bored Apes should, you know, look at some of that money that they recently made on their land sale and put something in place for people who are getting their apes stolen. Just some kind of extra added layer that makes people feel a little bit more protected. But Zach, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's just like this human thing that I think is, is like exacerbated by the crypto world, right? Where it's like, I need this thing now. It has to happen now. And first is always rewarded most greatly. So there's that immense pressure to act mm -hmm. now, this instant, whatever is being posted in the Discord. And I think it's easy for us to say, hey, like pump the brake, set yourself like a five minute rule, 10 minute rule, check with someone, DM someone else, do a little bit of sort of fact checking before you rush into something that could get you wrecked. It's easy to say that, you know, from an armchair quarterback position here, but I think it does just really speak to sort of that human desire for this like immediate action within the crypto space that is fostered by feelings of FOMO and other things that have uh, been here for a while. So I don't know. I'm sure we will see more bored apes being stolen before it's all said and done. All right, Jen, you have the last story of the day. Please take it away. Last story on a Monday, we're talking about the SEC and Elon Musk. So in an SEC filing this morning, Elon's legal team expressed their displeasure with Twitter's offered information regarding spam and fake accounts. The letter says that Musk considers the offer to provide additional details about Twitter's own testing methodology insufficient. So Elon is still skeptical about the information coming out of Twitter when it comes to spam and bots, and they're threatening in this letter to kill the deal if some real cold hard data doesn't come out. So they're making a differentiation between the explanation around the data that they've already given and saying, we actually need more information. Suddenly, I'm gonna kick this one down to you. Do you think this deal's gonna happen? I don't know. Honestly, I feel like <laughs> this was, <laughs> this is just very confusing. So first, one of the reasons Musk announced he wants to buy Twitter was, was to get rid of the bots, right? That, that was one of the promises. Then last month, he said he won't go through with the takeover unless Twitter can prove bots made up less than 5% of its users. So I don't really understand now like why this data point particularly matters and, and why it's sort of fixated on that. And I don't think he can just walk away from this deal either by even paying like a sum of money. I think Twitter a billion has, dollars. Okay, yes, a billion dollars. I think Twitter can also make him follow through with the deal by, by taking him to court. I might be wrong on this, but I think that's a possibility. But meanwhile, you know, he's tweeting quite erratically about a host of things from intergalactic travel to how he loves humanity to Epstein. I'm just like going like, what? And thinking, do we really want this guy to be running Twitter? And crypto should really care about this right now because most of us are on Twitter. Crypto Twitter is huge and we break news on there. I remember there was a great piece by Dan Kuhn on, from Coindesk, just, you know, explaining why <laughs> Musk running Twitter might not be the greatest idea just because of, you know, his interests and just what's at stake for crypto itself with everything that's going on. So I don't know what's going to happen with the deal, but I just maybe might be leaning towards this being a bad idea from the start. Zach is smiling, so. I mean, it's just maximum shenanigans at this point, right? Maximum <laughs> shenanigans on this story. The lawyers are getting paid. The letters are going back and forth. The spicy <laughs> tweets are out there. This story is maximized for grabbing the popcorn and seeing what happens. 
I mean, if Musk ends up buying Twitter, is it really going to be substantively that different from the product that people know and love right now? I don't think it's going to be that different. Obviously, there's been some talk about integrating more crypto stuff into it. They've been doing that pretty heavily since Jack Dorsey left the helm, right? We've seen a lot of Web3 features being rolled into the Twitter product suite. I don't know. Like, does it matter ultimately who owns the thing? It's going to be its own thing. And I feel like just now it's just like, maximizing, I don't know, this is like the attention economy on steroids, right? Like the hot button issue that people who are addicted to information, they live and die in this platform. And now here comes Elon Musk doing all sorts of crazy stuff at every turn when it comes to this potential acquisition. I don't know. I don't know. Shenanigans. Jen, here's. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. I think if Elon did take over Twitter, it wouldn't be drastically different than the platform that we experience today. I know I've said this on the show before. Part of me really thinks that Elon's having a hard time getting this money together because he's kind of changed the way he's going to fund this deal throughout all of the shenanigans. And I feel like maybe he's having a hard time putting this together and funding the deal, I believe, with debt equity. There's one part of the letter that kind of made me chuckle. Uh, it said, he will, of course, comply with the restrictions provided under Section 6.4, including by ensuring that anyone reviewing the data is bound by a non-disclosure agreement. And so what they're referring to there is this extra data that they're asking for. They're saying, Twitter, can you give us more information? And we promise everyone who reviews the information is going to be bound by an NDA. And I just imagine as soon as Elon gets that information, just sharing it on Twitter and like having absolutely no regard for this SEC filing or the NDA because he's Elon, you know, why should he? He hasn't had a regard up until now. And so I kind of hope he gets the information and the show can continue. Speaking of shows and speaking of people named <laughs> Musk, Kimball Musk, Elon Musk's brother, is speaking this week at Consensus. Now, if you didn't know, Consensus kicks off this Thursday, June 9th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is that big, long-running gathering of all the crypto tribes that Coindesk organizes annually. It's going to be real fun. But if you can't make it in person, don't worry. We got you covered with a new virtual pass to the Consensus live stream that is sponsored by BitGit. Just go over to coindesk.com slash consensus 2022 to get yourself set up. All right, that's it for the show today. You've been watching The Hash on Coindesk TV. If you haven't checked us out on the podcast, please do it. Coindesk Podcast Network coming in strong. A little bit of The Hash for your ears. Check that out. Thanks for being here today. Happy Monday. It's going to be a crazy week full of crazy news and announcements and many, many things going on, especially in Austin, Texas. So we hope to see you there. If not, check out that live stream. Should be fun. All right. I'm Zach Seward. We have Jen Sanasi and we have Sandli Handagama. They are both great. We say bye to you and we wish you a happy day. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. <laughs>